Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I have so much fun hosting this show because I get to talk to people who are doing really interesting things and who are starting companies, they're solopreneurs, they're working inside a company with that real entrepreneurial spirit, and today's guest is no different. I had the pleasure of having coffee last week with our guest, and he's somebody who I've met a few times in Austin, but I wouldn't say like we're buddy-buddy and we go out and have beers together all the time, although I would probably like that because he's a really, really cool guy, and he has started a software company that is doing some really interesting stuff. That's impacting the world of associations, which I think is great because I work in the world of associations. As a speaker, I spend a lot of time serving association clients at their conferences. And what Brian's company is doing is really making the life of associations more dynamic and better and making their membership more sticky. And so I had to have him on the show because all of you out there should belong to an association. If you listen to this regularly, you know that I am a huge fan of trade associations and industry groups because I think it's more than just, oh, I can get the information online. It's all about the community. If you're not hanging out with people who have a life similar to yours, then you're limiting yourself on being around people who understand you and what you go through every day. And so I often talk about, you know, my excitement to be deeply involved with the National Speakers Association. And I just got back from being the co-chair of their CSP, which is the Certified Speaking Professional Designation, which there's only 700 people in the world who have that designation, and 70 of them got together for sort of a deep dive mastermind group. It's the CSP slash CPAE, which is the Speaker Hall of Fame. Yes, there is a Speaker Hall of Fame. I'm not part of it yet, but there is such a thing. And they bring those communities together and let people talk about their businesses and do a deep dive. So I just got back from that. So I'm really charged up on, on, I was reminded of why I spend the time and the money to be part of an association because I came back not with just information and and having networked, but I came back with inspiration and a to-do list of about 30 things I need to get done to make my business even better. And so I like anything that supports associations, and that's what Brian is doing. So our guest today is Brian Kurth, and he is the founder and CEO of Revere Software. And I think we're going to have a great conversation about entrepreneurship, but also about the association world. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom. Thanks so much for having me on. appreciate it. So I I gave a little bit about what your company is, but why don't you tell everybody what is Revere Software and, and what do you do? Yeah, well, Revere Software is a networking and knowledge sharing platform, private labeled, so branded for associations, as you mentioned, which also include alumni associations in addition to trade and professional associations. And then we also have large nonprofits and companies as clients as well. So if you want to imagine it as being a little bit of a private labeled branded version of LinkedIn meets Match.com within one's own large organization, that's Revere. LinkedIn beats Match.com for your organization. That's pretty cool. That's exactly what we do. We're connecting people, enabling them to find out, find the right person within the organization who has the right bit of information. And the information could be anything from, you know, I'm seeking my first career in this, in, uh, or first job in this career uh, area, or, you know, I'm already in the career, but I'm, you know, mid-career, and I'm thinking about going down a different path 
within the industry and I need some help and, and I need to reach out to someone who's been there and done that. Or perhaps I'm looking to start my own business or perhaps I just need help with an Excel spreadsheet. You know, it could be anything and whatever people want to share in terms of baseline information, that's what it's here for. But it's, but it's all within a private labeled, private secure environment. Um, and it does, and it excludes folks who are just simply not part of that organization. So um, it really works and works very well. People, our clients are loving it. So in this area of, you know, the things that associations and trade associations and alumni associations and nonprofits in this area of connecting their membership and their people, what, you know, what are the, where do they struggle? Where do associations struggle in being able to provide this value? Well, the first struggle is the fact that they just simply have all of this right under their nose. You know, they have this mind share just ready to be tapped, and yet they have no means of, uh, no real means of tapping it. Sure, they can create, many organizations have a listserv, they will have a, you know, a group, a LinkedIn group. Um, but that's not a group in which people have raised their hand saying, yes, I'm not only part of this group, but I'm also willing to help my colleague, my, my fellow member. And I'm willing to help them in their career development, in a certain project that they may have, best practices. I mean, it's just overall best practices. And so the associations have it. In fact, our tagline, Tom, is you have the people, we have the platform. The associations have the people. And with that comes the knowledge. And with that comes this mind share. It's the ability to tap it that they don't. And then they also don't have the means of capturing all that information and tracking it and literally seeing the level of engagement that they're able to see with our back-end reports ongoing. You know, day in and day out, they're able to go into their admin council and see the level of engagement that's occurring across the entire organization. They just don't have that information today. And, you know, what do they do with that information? The big problem that they're solving is retaining their membership. Retention, retention, retention. It equals money for the association, and that's critical for them. And so we're really able to offer up one more really super important tool in their toolbox for member retention. Well, and member retention, because I spend a lot of time with association executives and just talking about what keeps them up at night, and member retention is huge. I mean, the numbers across the board are declining for many, not all, associations, and the membership is starting to skew older and older. And I correct. and I don't mean to make anybody who's, you know, a little more seasoned like I am uh, in the world feel nervous, but people retire and they die and they have to be replaced or the association can't go on. And what I have found in talking to younger people, to millennials, you know, a lot of the early surveys said, oh, they're not going to join membership organizations. Well, millennials aren't stupid. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to join right. where there's value. That's and, right. And it sounds like, and I don't know if this is all of it, but it sounds like a big piece of what your software offers is connecting those younger members to those who've raised their hand and says, I can mentor somebody. Well, that's exactly correct. In fact, the whole, um, the formation of Revere Software came out of a study that we did in 2011 with my previous company um, that, you know, we were seeing the effects of the millennial generation. They were not, the previous company was called Vocation Vacations. We placed people into their dream careers all across the country, individuals, not corporations, not working with associations, individuals. So it was a consumer product. But what we found in the study in 2011 was that, you know, beyond just the effect of the recession and advancement of technology and, and Skyping and the like, 
simply put, the millennials were saying, hey, you know what? I don't want a mentor. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't want the information and they don't want the knowledge and expertise. They do. They absolutely do. But they just do not want to be locked in to one individual being uh, you know, proclaimed as their mentor. It's heavy. And it feels like it's a long-term commitment. Now, I'm, I'm generalizing here, but millennials don't like to be locked in. They want options. And so what the platform provides is an online platform of hundreds, if not thousands of options for millennials to choose from at their own whim, at their own time. If they find someone that they like to work with and getting, getting, getting good information from that individual, they can book more sessions. And it becomes what I like to joke is, you know, mentoring light. But it's not a, you know, it's not being predetermined by human resources, let's say, as to who this person is that, you know, should be your mentor as a millennial. It's all at their, at their disposal, at their fingertips. And that's the beauty of it. And so we really, um, the whole platform is built around the need for millennials to get the information they need and want, because you're spot on. They are joining associations that provide value. The value has to be brought to them via a means of having options, choices online, and yes, free to them as basis of um, their membership. So free in quotes, you know, they're paying their membership or their company may be paying the membership. So it's not necessarily free, free, but it's free to them. That is unlike um, the Gen X and baby boomers in the past. So millennials absolutely are joining associations that provide such value. Yeah. And when I talk to people, you know, they say, oh, they uh, a lot of, you know, quote unquote, you know, air quotes around this. A lot of experts say that, oh, you know, millennials don't want to belong to, you know, associations. That's too much like their dad or their grandfather. They belong to all kinds of things if it's matching up with their needs and if it's relevant and if it's able to morph. I think the biggest problem that the association world faces is that oftentimes it's it's very slow, like a battleship to move. And what I find in, in talking to people, even just about, you know, attending conferences, they want the conferences to be able to morph. They want the speakers to be able to to change and ask questions as things go. And so are associations excited about your product being able to provide this sort of on the spot changing value of how they can find mentors for specific things and they can do a little bit of mentoring, they can do more. Are they excited about the prospect of it? And are they finding their senior members are raising their hands? Oh, absolutely. And good point. It, this does not preclude the Gen X and the baby boomers. Not at all. It, it is, And here's why and how. We've built the platform with the consumer in mind, even though our clients are enterprise clients, associations, alumni associations, career centers at universities, large nonprofits and the like. But we've built it so that it feels and acts as like a consumer product. And what does that mean? It has to be easy. It has to be easy to use and easy to manage. And that's why our clients are really loving it because they don't need to do the heavy lifting of onboarding a bunch of information. We do the heavy lifting of creating the site. And then it's basically like Squarespace. You know, we turn over the keys to them. They can manage it going forward. In fact, I would argue it's even easier to use use far easier to use than Squarespace. I like Squarespace, but I have to say that Revere, the back end, 
of managing the site itself, your, your networking and knowledge sharing platform that is on our platform, um, it's super easy. And so that's really important. Um, it's also easy for the individual to upload and create their profile. So, you know, information is king and queen to all of this. So, you know, more information, more text, decent, not necessarily war and peace level of text, but decent, effective, concise text, a few really good personalized photos, including professional and some fun personal photos, and maybe even a video talking about, you know, what it is that, uh, that you do and what you love as an advisor, as an expert, as a champion. You know, our, advi- our uh, clients are able to pick and choose what they actually call their experts. Some are called experts, some are advisors, some are champions, some are specialists, volunteers. It can be whatever our clients want it to be. That's the piece that they love. It's just how the deep level of customization that our platform automatically allows them. And I would imagine, and we sort of started to touch on this, I would imagine, you know, not only is it for the younger people to reach out to older, but the more I think about it, you know, a mentor oh, doesn't totally. have to be older than me, yeah. right? I have, I have a lot of mentors yeah. who are 30. That's right. And that's happening all the time on, with our clients where, um, in fact, we have some, some uh, alumni association clients that are bringing on recent alumni as experts on the site to offer up. Uh, expertise to, you know, the Gen X and the baby boomers who may not be as familiar with, you know, digital technology and, and, you know, what it might be someone who might be a CEO of a company who could be 60 years old, who is needing to, you know, hire, uh, you know, some, some, uh, developers for a, a project and, you know, who better to, to you know, touch base and ask, you know, how should we be doing this? Should we be building it? On you know Ruby on Rails, or should we looking at a different type of platform? You know who should I contact? Well, I'm going to contact an alum. Well, guess what? The best person who may have the best advice to that 60 year old CEO who's going to be hiring you know and paying for a, you know a decent amount of money to create this project and hiring developers, the best person who may give some great free advice could be a 25 year old who you know is three years out of school and you know is already a senior manager at a tech company. So reverse mentorship, if you want to call it that, we, like I say, we don't always use the word mentorship because it can be a bit heavy, but reverse expertise sharing, reverse mentorship, whatever you want to call it, um, it is a valuable piece to it. So Brian, what is the fastest piece of value? What's the, the quick stickiness that an association gets when they implement the Revere product? Well, it's just how quickly you have something up and running and how excited that the members are about it. It goes back to the value add. It is a key value add. It is a mandate for associations, whether it's a trade professional or an alumni association, to provide the connection and the knowledge and the expertise within enabling their members to share that expertise and knowledge. So it's not just a want. It's a need. It's a mandate. So if they currently don't have it, which is oftentimes the case, they may have a LinkedIn group, but you reach out to someone in a LinkedIn group, what are the chances that they're actually going to respond to you? Maybe 50-50. What are the chances that they're going to say, yeah, you know, Tom, I'm willing to spend some time with you. How's next Tuesday? That's even, you know, less percentage. It's probably 20% on average, you know, response. Whereas this... They have an automatic 
platform of experts who have raised their hand saying, yes, I want to give back. No, I don't need to be paid for this. I want to give back to my association. I want to give back to whether they're younger, older, in between. I want to give back. And oh, by the way, what's in it for me as a champion, an advisor, an expert? It looks great on my LinkedIn profile. It looks great on my resume. And I'm able to share with friends and you know brag a little mm-hmm. bit about saying, I'm a vetted, approved, you know, fill in the blank uh, association advisor, and um, you know that's really important. So, Brian, what led you to becoming an entrepreneur? Well, that is a long story, <laughs> but I, the really short story is in uh, the early 2000s. I was stuck in traffic in uh, Chicago, working the corporate grind. And I was daydreaming that there had to be something better than what I was doing. And I really wanted to start a company that I thought you know, should exist. And I came up with the name Vocation Vacation. And I chuckled to myself, literally, on a rainy day on the Kennedy Expressway. Because I thought to myself, you know, I'm in this corporate job. I'm making great money. But I, I really kind of want to – I thought at the time, this was in 2001, right before 9-11. I thought I wanted to be a dog trainer and a dog daycare owner. And so I thought, well, there's got to be some company out there that allows you to test drive your dream job while, you know, keeping the day job. And there wasn't. And so fast forward, um, less than a year later, I created it. And Vocation Vacations took off and the rest is history. And Vocation Vacations morphed into our consumer product, which is pivotplanet.com. So P-I-V-O-T-P-L-A-N-E-T, pivotplanet.com, which rides on the Revere software platform. And so um, we still provide that one-to-one uh, career development and you know, ability to test drive your dream job. It's not face-to-face for two to three days any longer because most folks aren't able to afford that. But you can have a one-hour session with people all across America. And then that morphed into Revere Software because we saw the need to uh, you know, help the millennials connect. They were not going to for pivot planet because they're not willing to spend the dollars on it and I don't mean that as a slam against millennials it's just a reality then if it's online it needs to be free and it needs to be provided through their association their alumni association or their employer and that's the direction we've successfully taken this last year so pivot planet is still very much alive for the generally it's gen x and baby boomers who you know still come to us um, and then we have Revere Software. So it's been a long and winding road with three, basically three companies, um, Vocation Vacations, Morphing into Pivot Planet, and now Revere Software. So if we go back in time, 15 years to 2001, and you're on the Kennedy Expressway, and then you could leap to right now, what is it that you love about the life of an entrepreneur versus, as you put it, the corporate grind? Yeah, the freedom. And, and with that comes the flip side, which might be your, your next question here, Tom. But, it, there, you know, all that glitters is not gold. It takes a lot of hard work. But if you're willing to work for it, it's the freedom. The fact that I can work from anywhere, especially even, you know, in 2001, it was a bit limiting. But now in 2016, I can work virtually anywhere in the world. And so if I need to go somewhere, the company still goes, you know, the, goes on. The, the meetings still occur. You know, 99% of what I do is online and or video conferencing. Um, the value of in-person is still very much there. But on the most part, you know, I we're not even necessarily meeting with our clients face-to-face these days. We do whenever possible, but 
so much of it can be done virtually now. Uh, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. So the fact, I like the freedom. I like being able to be anywhere uh, that I need to be at any given time. Um, and still, like I said, keep the work keeps going. Well, what advice do you have then for somebody who's listening to this podcast? They're, they, they're a regular listener of cool things entrepreneurs do, and they're stuck on traffic. Maybe they're in Chicago, maybe they're in Austin, maybe they're in New York, or maybe they're in Topeka. And they're listening and they think, I want to be like Brian. What advice do you have for them? Well, test it out. You know, I mean, I am the guy who created a company called Vocation Vacations back in the day where you test drove your dream job. That dream job, if it's being an entrepreneur, test it first. Don't quit the day job yet. Create a prototype if it's an actual widget, if it's a product that you're creating, something physical. Create a service, if, if at all possible, with the, with the decrease in costs of creating something online. Get it out there. Even do a survey. If you can't create something, you know, an actual online business and, you know, and, and kind of turn it around quickly, you know, via if it's a, even a, a Squarespace website or something like that, you know, then at least do a survey monkey of asking friends and family, if I create this, what do you think of it? Ask people within the industry. If you're a member with, again, an association, you probably know at least 20, 30 people that you could ask, you know, what are your thoughts on this? I'm thinking of doing this, um, you know, without disclosing anything that is, you know, confidential and proprietary. But test it out first before you go out there. I did not necessarily do that, and I lucked out with vocation vacations. Um, but I've seen too many people not do that and, you know, go all in and then, you know, created something that was a perceived need and want when there really wasn't a marketplace for it. So be careful with that. The other thing, and this is really down into the weeds, but it, and it sounds so simple, and it is, but I can't stress enough. You know, unless you're coming into starting your business and you are a CPA or you are an attorney, which there are folks who want to be entrepreneurs in those fields, um, you have to get a really good attorney and a really good CPA and you need to make certain that they talk to one another because <laughs> there are too many times um, where you know mistakes can be made and I've made some um, where it's like oh man I wish I had brought in my CPA and conversed with our attorney and this would have solved this problem and you know I would not have filed in this way or whatever the case may be you know I'm not an attorney I'm not a CPA so those are the two big things that I tell every wannabe entrepreneur. Get a they're worth every dime. Yes, mm -hmm. they are two of the most expensive components of your business, that and along with your developers, if you're doing something online. Um, but it's worth every penny. So Brian, I've got a couple more questions for you before I can let you go, but I have to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating a podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you're going to sound amazing. They do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing cool people like Brian Kurth. And if you want to start a podcast, and I know some of you do, just jump over to podfly.net and find out the offer that they have for the listeners of the show. It's podfly.net slash cool things. They have a special page and they'll tell you, they'll give you a little discount. But I'll tell you what, if you're even just thinking about it, 
Call them and ask them questions. They are they have great customer service, and they just want to see you succeed. They'll take a little bit of time and, and answer your questions. I can't tell you enough great things about working for Podfly. So, Brian, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So tell everybody, what's the coolest thing you're doing with your business right now? Uh, well, it's really fun in terms of working with, you know, such a, we tap, tapped on it already, but the, the broad range of people, you know, I, it sounds so cliche. I'm a people person, right? <laughs> but it's so true. You know, we're working with folks who are the CEOs and the executive directors, and they're generally, you know, a little bit older, might be, you know, upper end Gen X and baby boomers, right down to, you know, kids. We're working with some of our clients. For instance, we have Campaign for Black Male Achievement, which is, um, deemed our uh, nonprofit client uh, for the year that we provide a pro bono uh, platform to. And uh, it's part of Obama's My Brother's Keeper initiative. It does my heart good. And I don't mean to you know wrap myself in the flag by saying this, but it does my heart good to know that we're helping, in this example, you know, young African-American men and, and boys, teenage boys, dream for the future and be thinking about what they want to do, not only just career wise, but just in life. And it's all part of, like I say, President Obama's My Brother's Keeper initiative. Uh, you know, that is probably one of the coolest things that we're doing today. Um, and, um, you know, there are so many other examples like that, but there's a huge feel good factor to what we do, helping people share knowledge and expertise, not a bad gig. Well, and so I think you just answered the next question, which is I believe that great entrepreneurs want to do more than make money. They, they want to find a way to impact the greater good. So tell us a little bit about each year you have a, a nonprofit of the year that you work with. What, what are you doing there? Yeah. So, you know, obviously we're a young company. We just launched this last year, but we, um, so Blackmail Achievement is the, uh, is, is the current uh, grantee. And so we will be going out here in about two months. Um, and we'll send out a, a, um, a note basically saying, you know, any, any uh, nonprofit who wants to submit interest of having a free platform in perpetuity, this isn't just a you know, one-year thing. This is unlimited number of users in perpetuity, which is, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars of value over time, um, free to the nonprofit. So we do focus on uh, social justice and children. So those are the two areas. So we did social justice this year. We more than likely will focus a little bit more on, uh, on education um, and kids and young adults uh, for this next uh, grant that we'll be granting uh, in a couple months. What a great idea for a young company, because you're right, it's hard, it's hard for young companies to necessarily, you know, be able to, to give a lot of time or a lot of money. What a great idea. Just once a year, just pick one and, and give your give your software to them. And, you know, you never know where that's going to go. I mean, what a well, great charity that absolutely, you pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great way of giving back. And, you know, the platform is built. So, you know, let's, you know, anyone knows that it, it's economies of scale, adding one more uh, instance from a technology perspective to the platform you know, is not going to make or break us in any way. It's pretty easy to do. Um, and that's the beauty of it. Now, from an affordability, we do plan on growing that. You know, right now we're still in startup mode and we are going for funding and everything. We've got, we're revenue generating and we've got clients and it's fantastic, but we need to hire more people and we need to get uh, 
investment in the door, which is what we're in the process of doing right now. And so that number of grantees will increase over time. You know, one of our clients is Tableau Software, and they have Tableau Software Foundation, and they're doing exactly the same thing. Now, they've come a long ways. You know, they're a lot further ahead than where we are uh, in terms of granting free software to nonprofits across the globe. What a fantastic way to, you know, give back um, to the world in what they're doing. And, and we we uh, we love having them as a client, and you know we're kind of stepping into their you know, hope to step in their uh, footsteps in in uh, you know some years down the road. I would love to be able to come back on here, Tom, and say we've created the Revere Software Foundation. So we're offering not one, not two, but you know hundreds of free grants to nonprofits across the globe. That's my dream. I would love to be able to do that. In a couple of years. Well, in a couple of years, we will have you back on and, and we'll tell that story. Awesome. Looking hey, forward to it. Brian, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. I knew when we sat down and had coffee that your story and what you're working on is very cool. So if someone's listening and they think, oh my gosh, my, my trade association or my alumni association or the nonprofit I'm involved with, we need to learn more. How do they find out more about Revere Software? And then how do they find out more about Brian Kurth? <laughs> well, they can go for Revere. They can go to getrevere.com. Revere.com is Revere, Massachusetts. So we couldn't get that the, uh, domain. The, the city of Revere was not the willing to donate Revere. that to you? No, they were not. They were not. And for good reason. It's a wonderful city and outside of Boston. So you go to getrevere.com. And you can always reach out to me at bkurth at getrevere.com. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for being a guest and thank you to everybody for tuning in. We're going to be back in a couple of days with another interview with somebody just as cool as Brian. But in the meantime, I want you to go out there. Have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.